Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The sun descends towards the horizon of the Valley of the Setting Sun. Welcome to our game of Scion 2nd Edition, set in the city of Phoenix, Arizona. We will be going over the rules for bringing in an Origins level character up to Hero and acting out each character's visitation, where the Divine Parent imparts gifts and uplifts their child into the world of the mythical. The characters for the session will be Gary, played by Mitch, Jesse, played by Slavic, and Nick, played by Craig. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore BTM, and on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the second character creation for our upcoming Scion campaign. Today, we're going to be going with Slavic's character, Jesse, who is the son of Scotty, the uh, Acer goddess of winter. All right, yeah, so my character is Jesse Halvarsson, this sort of tenacious survivor type of guy, basically just trying to go through life without getting beat up too much. Well, you know, trying to scratch up any money he can, doing any unskilled labor he can do. All right, so we're going to start off with the, like like we did last time, we're going to start off with the mechanics of the character creation. Then we're going to start a role-playing out visitation where Scotty officially, you know, doesn't recognizes you as her son. All right, so we're going to begin, as always, like we did last time, with the callings. So you have a total of three callings and you have five dots in the callings. So you have to put you know, at least one dot in each calling. So you can have it like... Uh, Three one one or two two one for how the for arrangements. All right. So my first calling is going to be warrior. So yeah, which matches the Scotties. Yeah, it does, and I believe I'm gonna put two dots in there. I believe he's more like a he's a, Jesse's a fighter. Gets into fights relatively often. He's got like five dots in close combat, like into brawls, and he's the type of guy to just really in your face about things so i think that fits now let's see let's see some other callings i feel like he'd be more of a sort of strong type of figure that is difficult to sort of topple and i think i'd put like guardian as another calling as a he's basically someone who's impossible to put down. So if he ever like guards something, he would be there and he would be just taking the hits, being on the front line. That's that's how he does things. I put at least one point there. And for the final one, I'm a bit stumped. I'm not really sure what would fit him. He's definitely not a judge. He's not charismatic enough to be a leader, nor does he have the presence for it. He's very composed, I guess. Like, so, but I wouldn't really call the way he acts like sage like. Do you have any recommendations, Quinn? Hmm, maybe Hunter, perhaps, or something? Yeah, I think Hunter's all right. Definitely works with him. I'm going to just put two dots in there, which basically means all my dots are distributed two in Warrior, one Guardian, two in Hunter. All very militant, which sort of makes sense, you know, with the Acer Norse, Norse Pantheon, which is all about fighting. All right, so that's uh, two dots in Warrior, a dot in Guardian, and another two in Hunter, did you say? 
Exactly. It means right. he's like a very sort of aggressive focused person. I mean, I, I guess we've seen, especially in the first episode. All right. So now that means you you have basically four knack points, quote unquote, to put into yeah. one axe. And if you want, you can spend, you can get an immortal knack for two, only in either hunter or warrior. And they cost two knack points. So basically, right. instead of getting two heroic knacks, you can get one immortal knack. Yeah, I get it. Ah, there we go. All right, so let me check Immortal Hunter. Yeah, might just sort of read them out for you. All right, so there's always there. Anyone of a lower tier cannot escape you. You can always find them and track them down. Interesting, but eh, I'm not really sure Jesse would be the type to have this. Perfect camouflage. You blend in seamlessly with your surroundings, guaranteeing plus three enhancement to avoid notice by the person you're pursuing. It's all right. It's all right. But this one I like. Relentless. When you pursue or hunt a target on a massive or of great scale, chasing targets across dimensions, hunting mountain-sized titan spawn, imbue a point of legend rather than spending to invoke your legendary title as a feat of scale. God damn it. That's a lot of words. What that basically means is that if so, we haven't got we haven't really made legendary titles yet. So yeah, if yeah. I would say that Cassandra come later on play it means that so you're Jesse the you know the hunter of hounds or, or something that you could yeah, say yeah. that you have a better chance of because it's in your title. That's what you're known for. That's your legend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the, and there's send a pack. Send the pack, which is make a next skill roll on a success. Designate a target that you can see with unaided sight. Friendly characters you designate up to your legend can pursue them with without seizing no increased difficulty. That's also an interesting one. And let's see the warrior ones. Okay, so here we have Army of Fun. One, when you fight outnumbered, you do not take any penalties or increase difficulty. You gain half your legend rounded up as an enhancement to all attacks as long as there are more opponents present than you and your band. When uh, fighting a greater force as a feat of scale, invoke your legendary title and imbue legend instead of spending it. Not bad. I like the army of one. Hurl to the moon. Imbue a point of legend instead of spending a legend to lift and throw object with a size rating higher than yours. When performing a brute force feat of scale, objects thrown this way can also be hurled to medium range. It's out of throwing a huge object. This house, this uh, this snack allows you to make all thrown attacks at long range, regardless of the range attack on any weapon. Your old attack is normal for thrown. So if you choose to pick this, Jesse will literally be able to pick up a car and hurl at something. I mean, very impressive. I like it. And then there's perfect defense. Once per fight, declare that an attack made against you by the enemy of the same tier or lower does not affect you in any way. To do this a second time, spend momentum. This may not be used more than twice a fight. I like it. It's very Jesse, like just ignoring an attack. I'd even say that, you know, they gets hit by a car or something. It just ignores it. But yeah, so it, so it has to be the same tier or lower. So say a god decides to squ- oh, yeah. squish on you, that they can't yeah. block that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I feel you're fighting. And then the, finally, there's they're everywhere. Yeah, they're the everywhere. The field you are fighting in becomes divine territory. When an enemy enters divine territory, you have the option to make one attack against them, regardless of which band range band they have entered, and which may not be boosted by any knacks that allow you to make extra attacks. You use this ability even if you have already taken your action this round, and may do so no matter how many enemies enter your divine territory. You may make only one attack per enemy. All right. 
So uh, if I read that correctly, that means that you would send up like a boundary and anyone who gets into that boundary, you got to hit them first. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Uh, it's like whenever an enemy enters it. Could technically use snacks that boost strengths of like a single attack, make it stronger, I guess. So yes, what are you thinking for any immortal knacks for Jesse? Uh, I think I'll take perfect defense for him, honestly. All right, so make a note of that on your sheet. So you pick yeah. perfect defense. Perfect so that defense. is two knack uh, points, points. quote-unquote. Two points. So now you can either pick one more mortal knack, or you can pick two regular knacks. Yeah, I'm right now looking for the regular ones in the book. There we go. Knack skill. Do, do, do. Choose the most appropriate skill, of course, as usual. Creator, guardian, or hunter. All right, so... Hunter has Apex Predator. When a target of lower tier who you have been pursuing attacks you or otherwise attempts to hunt you in return, increase the difficulty of all stunts they apply against you by one. I like that one. Eye in the blind. Spend momentum to invest a fraction of your power into a small token. Place this token anywhere in a field you are aware of. For as long as it remains in place, you have the power to absorb the going-ons in the field. Yada, yada, yada. Not really all that interesting. Internal compass. You precisely know your direction. Keen-eyed predator, when you enter a field, you can extend your senses to determine what might await you. You can ask one question. I remember we used that one a lot. That was really strong. And most dangerous prey, choose an enemy to be your quarry. When you pursue a quarry, gain plus enhancement to all rolls made against the target. Yeah, so basically it just boosts your hunting. Silence in the woods is basically increased stealth in... Based detection based on hearing and sound. And there's Worrying Hound. All right. And Worrying Hound is really interesting is that you don't take any increase in difficulty to track down your target, even if they were to take flight, hide in a body of water, or attempt to disappear. And interesting. Uh, just letting you know that uh, uh, Mitch's character, uh, he took he made sure to take uh, an immortal knack for a hunter, which basically, I believe it was... Uh, always there always by your side or something that lets him know whatever his uh prey is oh yeah yeah that one yeah so just letting you know so there's not as much overlap okay that makes sense i'm just gonna look at the warrior ones before i make a decision all right also oh, you can also pick guardian oh yeah that's true can and i might judge leader now you only have like one you can only pick one knack for guardian since you only have one dot in guardian yeah exactly yeah I probably should pick at least one, so it makes sense. Yeah, Guardian has Fortress. At the start of a combat scene, roll your next skill with one enhancement. Gain the following stunts, which you may spend the resulting successes on. Each time you successfully defend, the, and w- which is when an attack target in you does not hit. Okay, so get out of here. A target you are protecting immediately makes the disengage action. Second wind, heal a bruised injury you have taken, including injury sustained by your armor. Oh, that's interesting. So you could basically not get hit and then heal because you don't get hit. Exactly. That's interesting. Make one additional attack this roll against an opponent that attacked your charge this turn. All right. All right. So you have to choose a person to protect with Guardian Nax. And then it sort of <clears throat> works off of the person you're protecting. Yes. Then there we have the knack. A purpose, dedicate yourself to an ideal of your choosing. When you take action to defend this ideal, gain plus one enhancement to all applicable roles. Interesting, but not really Jesse's thing. 
Sentinel, choose a person, blah, blah, blah. When you guard your charge, you both gain plus one defense. As long as you stay in the same range band, plus one in hand to keep track of or defend your charge. All right. Talisman, bless an object, make an axe rolls. If any successes are achieved, grants the bear two enhancement rolls made to defend or protect against a particular person, thing, or situation as defined at the time of the blessing. If you're making a talisman for a charge, you don't need to roll. Interesting, also not really that much thing. Vigil, when you stand guard, you do not need to eat or sleep as long as your vigil persists. That would have been nice in the last story when we were guarding the cattle. <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah, but you weren't a full-on scion yet. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Still. Still, it's it's nice to know that even though it seems niche, there are situations where you will use this. And warning, you sense the presence of danger before it emerges. I know. I like the fortress one. I'll take the fortress. All right. So make a note of that. And then do you, I believe you still have one more knack you can pick. Yeah, or it has to be I'm Hunter, gonna, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think... Did Mitch take Key Knight Predator? Do you know? I can't recall. He might have taken it earlier. Like it was for Mortal. Yeah, I think, I think he had it before. I'll take Apex Predator. All right. Do we keep the knack we had before as well? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, uh, okay. So... I'll also have the biggest threat, I think. Yeah. All right. So we have perfect defense, fortress, apex predator, and from before, the biggest threat. All right. Yeah. I believe actually in the new rulebook, it says most dangerous prey. Oh, that's possible. Oh, that could be misreading. I can't remember. Never mind. It doesn't really... Well, you know, it's a matter of Yeah, 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 because, yeah, it makes sense because when we originally played this, we were playing with the the like pre-released version or something yes. like that. So yeah, some yeah, editing changes might have happened. Yes. It's, it's I still the same effect. Though, same effect. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's all of your uh, knacks picked. And you remember, you can have, how many max do you have total? Four. Even including yeah. the one you had from before? Yeah, including the one I had before. Three with the ones I have now. Oh yeah, all right. So did you, I forget, during character creation, did you pick either the bonus knacks or the bonus birthrights? I'm not really sure if we like even got a choice. I don't have any birthrights here. I know. Uh, oh, I have birthrights for points of, but oh, all right. So that means essentially back then. Well, it means well, you didn't have you picked that back then. So I guess now you get eleven points to put into your birthrights if you want. Oh, bloody! That's that's great because this is gonna be okay. So. Uh, like I said before, or rather before we started recording, I wanted to have a creature. And what I wanted to have is a snake because Scotty, my sort of mother, was the one who placed the snake above Loki when they chained him up. It was the snake that kept dropping venom, venom on his forehead, I believe. I believe it was actually in his eyes. And so... Oh. What, yeah. And so that's why, like the the legend is that whenever the poison would get into his eyes, he would thrash around, causing earthquakes. Exactly. All right. So yes, now we're moving on to birthrights. What I would really like to know is how many points would you think the snake would be? Would be that like, it, that depends on how much, how smart you want the snake to be. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, creature possesses modest power. Yada yada yada. Nine dice in their power. Primary pools. I'd say be like war dots. So you want like a giant snake or like a, like something along the lines of Yormungandr? Ah, uh, not not that oh big, God. obviously, but like a giant not that snake. Big. 
but I guess it'd be big. But I suppose I'd if say, you want, like, you could more, say like a, it's a shapeshifter. I'm not snake. sure if I want. Yeah, a shapeshifter snake would be interesting because I still wanted to have to have it like on my person. All right. So that that definitely sounds like something that'd be a four dot a creature. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me check the rules out. People were getting into the uh, homebrewing part of this. Yeah, this is like you have to massively work with stuff. And luckily, this system is simple enough that we should be able to do this quite easily. All right, so let's see. So yeah, so a, a four dots, a creature would be powerful. So say, for example, a, uh, a size-changing snake that's quite poisonous. Mm-hmm. These creatures have 12 dice in their primary pools, so... I would allow that, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. For four dots, if you wanted to say make it intelligent. Oh, wait, how smart is the snake? Would you say? <laughs> it's it's smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's oh, we could get away with that. Just a one dot snake, then. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad. All right. So but aside, yeah. from, but aside from the size changing and the venom, it's just a snake. It's not like you know. I'd say, it, sorry. I'd say. Could I? Also, like, put dots in Mentor and make it, like, both my creature and a Mentor? That we can actually do. I think that'll ha- that would have to... Um, I think we could do that, but then we have to, like, d- make it clear, clear delineations between what what so what exactly is your guide, exactly? How so? Mm-hmm. Who is who is a snake? Uh, yeah, that actually does make sense. I guess we can make things up, but I just assume that maybe it's a descendant of one of the snakes that tortured Loki. All right. And it basically tries to sort of drive Jesse towards a more pragmatic path of like always choosing, for example, like the lesser evil or choosing how to do this without basically explaining him that his actions have certain consequences and since he's so powerful what those consequences are going to be who's hmm. he going to hurt who's who's going to you know gain from this and trying to sort of uh let's say Jesse's not very bright but he is pretty decently cunning but he's not very manipulative so he's he's trying to sort of help him with manipulation and sort of so almost like understand a, a, when he's being used and when not so someone who basically says he, he that guy's trying to use us how i do it almost mm-hmm. all right yeah, all exactly right. interesting interesting and oh, let me see guides benefits all right so how, i'm not really sure how many points i should put into him as a guide they put example guides there, but I'm not sure what exactly. So basically, the more dots the, yeah. the guide has, the more it can help you with. All right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It has like. So acid. I would say, yeah. like for example, the guide stunt would be to aid you in a, uh, you know, aid in uh, manipulation rolls. Yeah. So make sure, like, write this down in like a separate sheet or something, just so we can uh, yeah. keep yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, have a guide snake. And I'll just write in the text document. So guide. I'll say for a guide stunt, I'll say you gain an enhancement to equal to however many you roll based for any you know, manipulation rolls. And that's go. just for one dot, I would say. So, All right, and I'll, so. actually, I'll say yeah, the asset skill would be subterfuge. So yeah, if you want to help stick, help you out with that. Yeah, definitely. Asset skill, subterfuge. And that's just for one dot in a, in a, guide what you want mm-hmm. more 
Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of points. So. You do. So you spent uh, four I, to have the stake already just as a... Yeah, I think I'll just put three there. Or, well, I'll... Let's go with two. Let's go with two. All right, so you're putting the snake as four, as four dot for a creature and two dots as a guide. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see. Look at the examples. Let's All right, see. so... I think the snake could also help me with medicine. Uh, yeah, so the poison, if it's, it's small enough, doses could also be like a like type of medicine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they make medicine out of snake poison. It's, snakes are sort of, you know, on... In pharmacies, you have the staff uh, with the snakes around them. Yeah, the Caduceus staff, I believe, yes. Yeah, I don't know. All right, all right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. All right, so that's six dots taken care of, I believe. Yep. And so that means you still have five dots to put wherever you want again. Yeah, I do. And there's so many cool things to choose from. It's so hard, though. Uh, I know that's honestly the bad part of this is that there's so many things you can do. Which do you want to do? Yeah, and there's a lot of like things you have to work out. What you want to actually, you have to really create it almost from scratch, unless you like take something that already exists and turn it and basically re reskin it into something else. Yeah, yeah. So you're thinking maybe like a weapon or like a relic of some kind, or uh, you want? Yeah. I was thinking of a relic. I was thinking of a bow. All right. And I'll, uh, let me just read you off some of the other relics in the uh, book that mentions for the uh, Acer. So there's uh, the Thor's bridal veil. When gazed upon, it is simple white lace. When worn, the wearer is disguised from any Jotnar in the area. There's the gun of Tyrfing, a gun that never rusts, never misses its target, and can be shot underwater with no issue. The thread of Loki, originally oh, that, used to... that gun... All right. That's actually that could be. I could just like have a gun that uh, have a bow that just does the same thing as the gun. All right. Let me read the other ones. The thread of Loki originally used to sew Loki's mouth shut. This can be used to sew just about anything shut in a pinch. And finally, the meat of poetry fermented from the blood of Kvasir. This is used for inspiration for the artists who seek to gain a muse. So yeah, you, that gun of Tyrfing sounds interesting to you, does it? Yeah, but, but, you know, just let it be a bow. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> all right. So That's you... a three-point three relic, then? Or how many points is it? Hmm. I would say that, yeah, the uh, gun, it's the gun as an example. I would say that's either two, three, or two. Okay. So, yeah, do you want to keep it as that? Do you want to add a, a couple more dots to it, make it something better? Yeah, I, I would actually add to it. Because, yeah, the book actually offers Tearfing, the sword itself, as a five-dot. Yeah, Tearfing. There it is. It's a five dot. Uh, they did that. Okay. So I'd say. Yeah, let me read it out for the uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. It is. It gives you the purview of passion, specifically spite. And the motif of it is relentless bringer of perfect destruction. It grants you a one enhancement just in general and a two when used to destroy or damage objects. The gleaming blade of Tearfing has a long and bloody history. The Scion King Savarlamli. Grandson of Odin forced a pair of drawers to forge him a sword that would never rust and never miss its mark. They did that, but Spite let them to also curse the sword so it would always kill when drawn in battle. Tearfing, in fact, kills Savarfrilami himself before four changing hands many times, ending each of its conflicts in tragedy, its reign of violence ceasing after it's perpetuated its first three great evils. It's just a rumor hell spread to ensure the blades continue work in her direct service. The tags, lethal, melee, piercing, and versatile. 
It gives you the knack that it never rusts or dulls and can swing just as easily underwater through mud or against other similar impediments without difficulty. Its wielder never suffers complications related to these issues. However, it does have flaws. Tearfing is a cursed blade married to dire fates. Once per scene in which the scion wields it in combat, the player must resolve one strength fate binding condition if he has any. Once he has resolved three conditions this way, the scion has a choice. He may give up the sword to someone else, relinquishing it as a relic, and gaining a different birthright or birthrights for the same dot value in its place. Alternatively, he may keep it and increase the strength of the fate-binding condition that must be resolved whenever it's used by one. Once the Geofing's curse has resolved three strength three fate-bindings, the character must give the relic up. So what that means is that every, if you wanted to use this, every time you use it, you have to cut somebody out of your life one way or the other. Oh, really? Yes. Damn. Yeah, Tearfing's like, wow, I really, really wouldn't use that. All right, so you would, how so that you say, say go back to the uh, making us hmm. a weak other. Making the bow. Yeah. All right, so, so you want something similar in a way that's less, you know, horrifying. Yeah. I was thinking since Scotty is the goddess of winter, maybe have it an arrow, a bow that whenever it shoots an arrow, it sort of turns the area around it like sort of cold into ice. Ah, I see. So yeah, that, that sounds like it would definitely grant you a purview. So I would say like that grants you the purview of frost. Mm-hmm. And then, all right, so what do you think the motif, like what phrase would this, would this arrow, would this bow be? Like, you know, the, uh, the, ch- the bite of winter or something like that? Oh yeah, it'd be something like uh, cruel and merciless, just like winter. All right. So it definitely means that definitely sounds like it's something that you can't we shouldn't really use just out of you know in a friendly competition yeah, or something. I, I definitely want it to be something because you know even the Acer were scared of Scotty because she was the goddess of winter because winter doesn't care whether you're a god whether you're a human whether you're an animal it just is and it just if you're not prepared it's going to kill you because you're going to get hungry frostbite or everything. So I want want it to be like. Uh, very broad effect where it's, where you can't really pick or choose. It's not really going to hurt the user, but it might hurt like his loved ones. Or so that, you know, I would say like, you know, if you draw the bow, then like the air around you will like start to freeze yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. It might like kill the crops in like a long radius or something like that. You know, they'll just freeze. So yeah, that almost sounds like a flaw that would yeah, be. Have a, so yeah, that definitely say that's a flashy thing but just that and that little like whenever you use it it like cools the air down mm-hmm. air cools i guess it could be like a limiter to the weapon like you can't just draw it and start firing arrows with it you you have to actually like mean it when you use it because if you use it too much it's just going to get too cold all right yeah yeah so i'll definitely say that's like a flaw is that the longer you use it the colder the air around you gets mm-hmm. yeah and, and that also like and that is a part of the so let's say yeah so that yeah i would definitely say that definitely sounds like a very powerful weapon so i'd say that gives you like a uh let's see like a plus one just in general enhancement when mm-hmm. using it and like a jet plus two for like you know wanting to kill something mm-hmm. i'll put down murder something because kill something is very general for a bow all right if you're yeah, yeah. a bow at something you probably want to kill it so let's not make it too broad and I guess we should add a knack to it, right? Yeah. So yeah, they specifically say something like you know, frost-related or something. Or no, 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 a hunter or uh, something. Yeah. All right. 
Oh, maybe the target it hits, if it doesn't kill them, they'll slowly turn to ice. Ooh, unless they like dig the, out the arrowhead or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, I say that it gives them like a complication of, mm-hmm. like, like I say, like that. If it hits a target, and doesn't kill it. It get the target mm-hmm. suffers a complication of you know one er, until like the arrow is either removed or the target is killed mm-hmm. from the frost. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that weapon. All right, so let's just go over just to see if it sounds right. So it gives you access to the frost purview, which means that even if you like pick, uh, you know, later on you say you pick a journeys for your purview, you can still use powers Marvel related to frost because mm-hmm. it it's because the weapon mm-hmm. and the motif is you know the the biting merciless chill of winter. Mm-hmm. That gives you the knack of you know crippling the target if you actually hit them and don't kill them. Mm-hmm. And the flaw is that you can't actually. And the longer that you use it, the colder it gets. And yeah, and I believe yeah, you have to murder it, murder something when you have it out. All right, so yeah, I'd say for the tags, you have to make sure it's you know ranged. Mm-hmm. It's lethal. Ranged, lethal, piercing, probably right. Yeah, let me arcing. I guess. Yeah, I would say ar- arcing. Yeah. Actually, I'd say instead of lethal, I'd say aggravated because it's you know firing ice at at like your enemy. That makes sense. Uh, okay. Since since it's a bow, it's probably two handed, right? Yeah. Sounds... Unless you could, unless you somehow manage to grow a third arm, and then you could just. <laughs> it's still two handed. You just have an extra arm. <laughs> oh yeah, wait, no, that wouldn't work. Never mind. <laughs> I'm trying to make a joke about how you can fire one-handed, but then I just I Maybe joke with your nowhere. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that sounds like it's a pretty good weapon, just for all the uh, the flaws and the uh, benefits it gets you. So yeah, that definitely sounds like a, that definitely sounds like a five-pointer uh, relic to me. Five plus six that means eleven. That means we have what we came to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's finally Jesse. the birthright stone over with. Now we go on to one last thing, the purview. All right. All right. So there as already the title of Scotty, Point the Acer, you automatically get access to the weird or word, I'm not sure which you pronounce it, yeah. the Pantheon yeah. purview, which innately allows you to uh, ask to know what, which means that you know now one bad thing is going to happen in Jesse's life. All right. It's going to be coming. It, it could be your... Jesse's death could be the death of a best friend, a betrayal. You know, the uh, when just when you finally have the bad guy in your sights, so then he gets away or something. Something that will come, and you get uh, a, be- a bonus whenever events echo it or lead towards it. All right. And if you try to fight it, then, you know, things go against you. Yeah, can't fight fate. And so then we have to pick one more purview that, that Scotty would have, mm. which can be from Earth, Epic Dexterity, Journeys, Order or frost? Uh, hmm. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I did say that Jesse has a bike, if I recall correctly. It's been quite some time since I. I believe you said so. Yeah. So I'm just gonna put journeys down there for now. All right. I feel like it fits him well. So yeah. Oh, by the way, I think we just. What is the name of your bow? Since that's something that has to have a name. Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I just let me try to. Google Translate some Icelandic so it sounds... Uh, Suitably up, epic, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. And since it's closest to, like, the Old Norse... Hmm, this is hard. God damn it. Frost means frost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, frostbit. Frostbite, but 
but without any frost bit. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that, yeah. Yeah. All right. So so you picked the journeys for your innate pur- for your purview. Mm-hmm. All right, so just as in, for the innate powers, as you get just from picking it, you have an unfailing sense of direction, allowing you to found, find a route that leads to any point in the world as an unrolled action, unless oh. its position is obscured by magic. You can sense the presence of an axis mundi or other gate between realms of existence from however many le- points of legend you have miles away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, since you're just beginning as a scion, you get one mm-hmm. dot of legend. Right, Axis Monday. Yeah, where is my legend? Where are you? Where? Oh, there we go. Right. All right. So for legend, you can increase it only if you do complete one short-term deed, one long-term deed, and one band deed. All so right. once you complete all three, any any trio of those, then you increase your legend by one. Okay. So even if you do like three short deeds or three long-term short- deeds, unless you do a band deed, you don't get anything. All right. Okay. 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 Yeah, that definitely encourages you know players to work together for stuff. That makes sense. All right. Now I guess we get. We'll have to figure the deeds out later. All right. So yes, now I will say you have. Now you get to pick two boons, which are specific powers that you get from either word, weird, journeys, and since you picked the weapon, I would allow uh, frost. Mm-hmm. Two boons. Where are you, Boons? All right, so for journeys, the I'll list them off for you. For journeys, there's the Chariot of the Gods. Cost, imbue one legend, duration one scene, subject one vehicle, range close, action reflexive. You imbue oh, a vehicle yeah. with divine power, raising the scale of all speed-based actions, taking with it by one. Opposing characters that try to steal, damage, or otherwise impede your chosen chariot face a plus two complication. Here be dragon. Here there be dragons. Cost, imbue, one legend. Duration, infinite, indefinite. Subject, one character. Range, medium, action, simple. You strew objects before an enemy's path. Anytime they roll the travel or navigate, the story guide inflicts a plus three complication on the roll. Parades in the way of the morning drive. Flights delayed by mechanical troubles and so on. If the character is attempting to move across difficult terrain that already exists, your curse also increases the difficulty of their movement actions by plus one. Unbarred passage. Cost one legend, duration one scene, range medium, action reflexive. You can negate a single complication that obstructs your travel. Locked doors open at a touch. Traffic parts around your car and rough patches of turbulence disperse as the plane you're on flies through them. This benefits not only you, but any other character traveling with you. It's really interesting because my subterfuge special ability is breaking into places. All right, so now here are the boons for Frost. Cool, uh, also... Since, uh, as an innate power, since you get it from the weapon, in the innate powers, you never suffer from harm from extreme cold, nor difficult terrain or complications due to snow, hail, or ice. You may walk over water or even clouds as it turns to solid ice under lo- underfoot long enough to support you. All right, so the first bo- boons are cooler heads. Cost and be one legend. Duration one scene. Subject, multiple characters. Clash. Composer plus legend versus presence plus legend. Range, medium, action, simple. When tempers flare and action comes before thought, you can cool things down. This boon can be used against characters engaged in combat, intense argument, reckless decision-making, or similar emotionally agitating scenarios. They grow cold-hearted, almost emotionless. Whatever they were doing, they stop and won't return to it for the rest of the scene. They'll walk away from brawls, take a moment to reconsider whether they should be having an emotional argument, 
take time to think through, think their plans through more thoroughly or similar. They can still defend themselves if others try to harm them, but will not initiate any kind of hostilities. Flash freeze. Flash freeze. Costs you spend, one legend. Duration, instant. Subject, all enemies in one range band. Range, medium. Action, simple. You drain can drain away all the heat of the world, icing over landscapes and freezing enemies from the inside out. Roll this as an attack, using your highest power attribute plus a cult. It has the bashing, piercing, ranged, and shockwave tags. All water in the targeted range band is also instantly frozen solid. Ground becomes ice-slick, difficult terrain, as well as other environmental changes, such as bodies of water freezing over or pipes bursting. And there's glacial pace. Cost imbue one legend, duration indefinite, subject one character or multiple trivial characters or multiple objects, range medium, action simple. Things slow to a halt as you strip away the speed of the world. If you use this boon on this character that has scale with regard to speed, like a cheetah or a scion using a feat of scale, their scale is reduced by one. Characters without scale add plus two difficulty to all rolls based on physical speed. This boon can be used against all the trivial opponents in range for free. Alternatively, you can slow any number of moving objects of the same general type within this boon's range, reducing their scale with regards to speed by one. For example, you could use traffic to a grinding halt by slowing all cars in range. Uh, that one also sounds pretty interesting. Now let's look at weird, which is the completely last one. No, not the completely last one, it's just up in the bottom since it starts with a W, I think, right? Correct. Uh, it's also oh, yeah. the personal pantheon one I included because the others don't really apply to you guys. So it's cast the runes. Once per session, you may perform a divination by casting runes etched onto stones, strips, bark, or other objects in a ritual that takes a handful of minutes to complete. Story guide gives you a lead or a clue about what will happen in the near future, what they expect to happen in the current session. If you use a boon or marvel later in the same session and the story guys agrees that it will help in bringing about the foretold events, you may draw on the divination to waive the cost of imbuing or spending a single point of legend. Each use of this boon only provides this effect once. Not bad. Spin the thread. Use the art of Seor to lay a blessing or curse on another character. Entering into a ritual trance lasts one scene and envisioning their future. You predict a specific triumph or downfall the character will face and impose a condition that represents this destiny on them. If an action is likely to bring about the foretold fate, the condition provides enhancement too. Actions that struggle against this destiny have the, their difficulty increased by one or by two if they would make it outright impossible for it to come to fruition. These effects cut both ways. A blessing might make it more difficult for a warrior to undertake a plan if it would lead to his defeat, while a curse might make give a foe an enhancement on actions that lead to their downfall. This condition resolves once the outcome you have predicted comes to pass. The story guide deems that it is no longer capable of being fulfilled, or you claim the legend imbued in this boon. It can also be lifted by magic, capable of altering destiny, such as marvels of this poor view or the fortune purview. Interesting. All right. So, yeah, you can make things travel faster for you, use ice, or look at the swing and the threads of fate. Yeah. I get two of these, right? Do you have to pick two? All right. So, do, do, do. Let's see, I think I'll pick glacial pace. 
which is the one that slows things to a halt as you strip speed away from this world. All right. And from the journey one, I had my eye on one of them. Actually, I had my eye on several, but hey. Oh, so yeah, you're thinking of either Unbarred Passage or Here There Be Dragons or Chariot of the Gods? Yeah, I mean, I liked Chariot of the Gods. Uh, I think I'm going to pick that one. All right, so basically that means is that you can literally pick a vehicle and make it much faster. Yep, gotta go fast. That's actually right. pretty interesting. So yeah, you make yourself faster and you make others slower. Yeah, exactly. Not bad. All right, so that should be the, la- the very last of all the uh, uh, character creation things. Yes. So for spending and imbuing, imbuing legend is a bit like willpower in other World of Darkness games. Is that if you imbue legend, it means that it's it's used up for that scene, and but after the action's over, then you will get it back. If you spend one legend, then it's you're out of it until you do either a sacrifice or fate bonding to recharge it. And now, what's per arc? You can make a minor sacrifice, say you know, uh, offering you know the offering a meal for the gods, offering a little drop of blood for the gods or something small like that. Mm-hmm. After that, you have to do a, something significant, like uh, stealing, a, stealing like a sacred cattle from another pantheon to sacrifice to your pantheon, or murdering someone and it's me right. sacrifice. Yeah, Acer left to do that. Uh, and the, Or you can set yourself to what's called fate binding, where you would decide what another NPC, what their relationship to you will be like. So say someone who already doesn't like you will become, will actually do something about their dislike of you. Someone who already likes you will actually you know, start to act on it. Any kind of thing like that will happen. And the mo- and then like, you know, the more you, int- you rely on that, say like, you know, the more your enemy gets in your way or the more you're, more you uh, get in- involved with another person, the more legend you can get from that. So yeah, we don't really have to worry about that till you decide to do that. So that just keep them. Well, that'll be something for later. So right. now, finally, we can get onto the role playing part of it, where we decide, you know, act out your visitation, where uh, Jesse finally gets all this, uh, you know, magical stuff. Oh, all right. Okay. You it has been a bit of has been a while since you had went on with your adventures with the other members of your band, you know, with uh, Hassan, Nick, Alia, and others. So it's been a while, and there's something inside you that feels restless. It feels uneasy, and you don't not sure why, but something tells you just go north out of the uh, valley of the, the Phoenix area. Uh, well, I got the itch again. Guess I gotta take my bike, and go north. Right, so you head north, and as you get you, you leave the desert and the heat of the valley behind, as you go higher and higher and higher up in elevation. And eventually, you'll make your way to Flagstaff, and it's a it's a different climate there than the main valley. Instead of the desert, it's much it is there's pine trees, you know, hills, much cooler. And as you get there, you the, the cool air it almost feels right. It feels like a almost like a weight's been that's been on your skin for the whole time, just sort of been lifting slightly. There goes the last of my gas money. And so you you drive up and up and eventually like you get like to, you know go, you drive through town and again like that feeling like you're heading towards something you just keep it keeps drawing you forward and forward and eventually you get like up to like this trail that goes up towards the mountains nearby and at their peaks you can see like there's like snow on the very tops and again like even though like you know it that there's a chill in the air it's a early frost has come to this to the town. It doesn't really bother you. It just feels like 
it feels more like a nice warm breeze almost paradoxically mm-hmm. and as you start you you know you reach the base of the mountain and you find you just you have to climb it and you Sounds perfectly reasonable sure it's it's just a mythology we'll get into this you go along with it of course that that's why i said it's reasonable <laughs> feel the urge to climb this mountain so yeah you, you just start climbing and like, as you climb up higher and higher the, the chill gets colder and colder like Actually, a bit unnaturally so because even though it's you know there's snow around, it it starts to feel like like you're a much different place. Like it's colder than it should be as you get higher and higher. You know, eventually snow starts to fall around you, and eventually you you can't really see the ground anymore. You just sort of come lost in like this you know the rock and between the rocks and the wind and the snow. And eventually you someone you trudging along, you see come see see a woman you know walking standing in the snow. She is about, uh, you know, five foot ten. She's pretty tall. She's got, like, dark reddish hair. And you could definitely tell, like, there is this air of, like, command about her that she is she is standing where she should be. Pretty cold outside, isn't it? Uh, yes, well, it's about as good, good it can, you can get in this part of the world. Is this one of those, uh, uh, god things? She sort of smirks at that a, t- a tiny bit. Yes, no. This is my domain for now. I I do the best with what I can, but even here, there's only so much I can stand being this close to the heat in the desert. Showed like glasses, like you know, southward. It looks like a look of disdain on her face. You know, if you're looking to def- for someone to protect some cattle or something, I have this group of guys. And I mean, I'm not saying we're a team, but we're totally a team. I'm not here about them. I'm here for you. And she, she turns towards you. And you notice, like, she's got, like, really icy blue eyes. Like, almost to the point where, like, oh, they're almost, like, gray and just how pale they are. Uh, look, lady. I'm sorry if I took something that wasn't mine from you. But it probably wasn't me. It was probably someone else. And she walks up to you and sort of, like, just, you know, like, grabs your shoulder. And she's like, do not apologize for taking what you need. Come. All right. And she sort of walks up. She leads you like further into the snowy, and then, like it seems like the, almost like you're not really climbing anymore. You're like on the snowy field, which is weird because you know when you saw earlier the mountain didn't look like it had that many you know flat parts on it. So she leads you further and further into like the snowy field, and all the while she says, "So, you finally decided to make the effort to reach me." Make the effort? I just felt like going for you know drive. Well, whatever drew you, it is good that you're finally here. And so it leads you to like this cave where like you see like these huge icicles that are sort of like almost like teeth sort of like ring around the entrance. And she says, this is my home. This, this is a good place. This is a cold place. This is where I shall recognize you as my son. What? And then you see, you see, like her, you see, almost like she seems to like grow in stature, like where she, before she was just a tall woman. Now she seems to like almost tower above you. And she says, "My name is Scotty. I am a frost giantess. My domain is winter, and you are my son." I mean, I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, you're the first family I've actually. Where did you leave me? At that point, she like her her scowl like this sort of like intensifies, and she's like. I'll give you one guess as to who among the Acer will cause trouble that condemn the rest of us. Well, Loki, I guess. It's always Loki. <laughs> Not always, but enough. 
And then like you see like she sort of like seems to shrink almost and instead of like this towering, you know, this force of winter, it's just now she seems much more human. But there's still like an edge to it, even though like she's you still can remember easily like that imposing figure in the snow and ice. Yes, he his actions led to us being banned from the valley. Not that and so she sort of scoffs like not that I would spend too much time in that heat forsaken place. Ugh, don't have to tell me twice. Only the reason I live there is because Cole w- would literally kill me if I'm homeless. Happened before. Uh, not the killing part, of course, but me being homeless. And it's just uh, she, at that point, she does like sort of like reach out and like sort of like touch, you, caress your head gently. It's like you don't have to feel the cold anymore, my son. Not anymore. Then she like sort of le- leads you into the cave, and there she like says, "I have, I have uh, through." I have heard of your progress. You you faced off against forces of the uh, Titans and the mummies from Egypt. Curse of oh, things. yeah. Yeah, we did. That uh, uh, was a fun time. Good. Glad to see that my child knows the uh, enjoyment of the battle. And I hope to show you that thrill of the hunt can be just as great. And then she sort of like leads you like this little alcove in the uh, in the cave. It's again, it's like just like ice, and it's just like almost like glittering, and just with the sun like bouncing off of the walls. And you know, she like gestures, and like this, you see like the snake, impossibly like out of, come out of the wall of like just sheer ice, come sliding along her arm. This belongs to you. By the way, what would you say the name of the snake is? Oh no! Uh, uh, can I give it like a? Oh, what about Gomunder? All right. Yeah, this is this is the serpent Gomunder. It is not quite as potent as the famous world serpent, but when need be, it can be a fierce opponent. And she says that like again, like she seems to like grow, and the snake grows along with her until it's like about the size of like a boa constrictor almost. But then, it like, then again, it sort of shrinks back down to like almost like a uh, garter snake size. Mm-hmm. Jesse sort of apprehensively reaches out to the snake. Yeah, it does not bite you. Instead, it just curls around your arm and sort of wraps it, like goes up to your shoulder and so sort of hisses in your ear. I, re- I, hear, I am here to serve you, master. Hey, I thought snakes were slimy. It's pretty, pretty interesting uh, feeling. Sort of uh, touching its head or something. <laughs> uh, it is just, I am here to guard you against those who would deceive you, who would use you. All right. And then it sort of like just curls around your shoulders a bit. And then Scotty, she goes back to the wall and she, and then she pulls something out of the wall. And this time you can feel like this is almost like a, the air almost, no, even to you, seems to drop a little bit in temperature. And let me just, what does the, the bow look like itself? We'll describe it. I'd say it would be like a compound bow, but if the compound bow was made light of clear ice, and I think it would actually even like if you wielded it, even if you do have the for- frost purview, you could like feel that it's cold and might actually like feel pain. It might not actually hurt you, but you would feel actual pain from wielding it. So yeah, she hands it to you, and even again, like even though the wind and the cold around you doesn't really feel that much, but this one you feel. You feel like the your, your, the palm, the skin in your palms sort of like prickles a bit as you rest it. And so this weapon for you is frostbit. It is a powerful one. It will injure your enemies with the power of winter itself. 
be cautious when using it, for it will not be sated unless it has tasted the blood of something. Oh, so, okay. Be careful with it. It is not a simple, odd, simple trinket I gave to you. This is your power. Guard it well. I'm not saying I'm the not the person you should be giving this to, but I'm also saying I don't actually have a good track record with responsibility. Then you will learn. At that point, she looks sternly at you like, I do not broker failure from my children. Understand? Okay. Winter is not a forgiving mistress. It is harsh. And you need to learn to be, you need to learn strength to stand up against it. Jesse sort of, uh, you know, just swallows and is just like, okay, <clears throat> I'll do my best. All right. So, yeah. And while we're at this, let's say, since you have the weird purview, you now know one bad thing is going to come. It doesn't, you don't have to get into specifics right now, but let's, let's, what? thing do you see coming that will happen to you oh yeah it has to happen specifically to me yeah it could, it could be like you know you fail to save someone some, some you could it could be, could be your death oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what, what do you want it to be um whew, that's a big thing to ask for but well you, you picked I, acer oh no yeah for sure they, their destinies are all written i think it would be severe injury something crippling almost <clears throat> Yeah, almost crippling, sort of. I like, would say uh, crippling, yeah. Yeah, like a tear when he had his hand cut off or something like that. So so let's, I would say like you lose an arm or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe an eye or something like that. So yeah, you, you, you see yourself being severely injured. You lose something. We don't decide that just yet. So yeah, as that, you know, so that sort of like that knowledge just hits you as you like accept the bow and you sort of like reel backwards. And at this point, you know, Scotty, Unfortunately, like Seti is just like grabs you by the shoulder and steadies you. I see you. You've seen something, haven't you? From your from your fate. Uh, yeah, uh, it's not pretty. It never is for us. But hear this, and she sort of like places herself. Not even Ragnarok. Not even all fates are not known. Not even ours. She's like I myself. My fate is unknown for Ragnarok. And. Well, I'm certain Odin might have found out some time during the centuries. I have not been told what it is. Do not let fate dictate what you do. There is always something that comes afterwards. And even if it means the end, you will go out and you will face it with strength. All right. Yeah, I can get behind that. Good. And then you see her face soften just a slight bit. And she's sort of like, glad we could finally meet face to face, son. Uh, yeah. Thanks for meeting me. Uh... Will we ever uh, meet again, or? I'll I'll be here in the cold if you need me. I oh. I can't wander. I don't like wandering to places too different from where I live. She sort of like gestures around, but I am not here to fight your battles for you. Know that. I understand. But Good. Yeah. Now let us. I'll let you return to your life down to that valley. All right. It was a pleasure meeting you, Mom. It's a pleasure meeting you as well, son. And she sort of like just you know sits down in the cave and you just wander off into the snow again. And after like a some t- amount of time wandering in through the through the ice and snow, you like find yourself climbing back down, and eventually you get back to like pine trees. And the warmth of the sun hits you just like a sudden shock to the face. And there you like you look again like you turn back and you look at the mountain and again like there's there's not seem like there's any 
place that could be, you know, to house like a big snowy field or cave there. So yeah, now you have you know you have the star, the snake wrapped around you, and the bow in your hands as you walk back to your vehicle. How do you feel about the open your uh, road, Gomunder? Gomunder sounds okay. <laughs> All right, just keep me away from eagles. They are not very tasty. I'll make sure no eagles hurt you. Just hide under my uh, jacket if you need to. All right, and they like you know it goes underneath. And uh, any last thoughts about this? Oh, I really like this. I like Scotty. I like Jesse. I like generally like my stuff. <laughs> All right. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.